0: Welcome to the Cincy Slangin Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy?
1: Well, Coomer, it's weird. It's it's a weird environment. The, um, the basketball team, who we're really not here to talk about today, has now defeated two top 15 opponents this year in, uh, in, the AP poll one being Illinois, uh, a rousing defeat, you know, the game was you know never in question. And now before the game has even played Houston is just, they're so scared of us that they had to forfeit the matchup that was supposed to be Tuesday. Uh, so your Bearcats have now defeated the University of Cincinnati, Houston by forfeit. Tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. We should be ranked in the top 25 for that. You know, that, that's what should happen. Um, the Bearcats they've landed now. Now that we got the basketball team out of the way with their great accomplishments, the 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 football team though has landed in Dallas, baby. They are there. They're ready to rock and roll. The college football playoff week has begun and it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan.
0: Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And and the second part there is, is the key, which is that it is officially the week of the college football playoff and the Cincinnati Bearcats are still, it's very much real folks. We're participating in the college football playoff. The, the, this was not a dream. This was not a figment of our imagination. The Bearcats did go 13 and 0. They earned their way into the college football playoff. And now they have this wonderful, beautiful, uh, spectacular opportunity ahead of them to upset the Alabama Crimson Tide to earn a right to play for a national championship. I'm excited. I could tell you're excited. Um, you know, maybe a little unfair of you to go after Houston like that and accuse them of being scared when on top of having a game now canceled for COVID-19 protocols like they did against the Bearcats, which does go down as a forfeit uh, for official AAC standings reasons. But they also lose two very important players for the season to injuries. Marcus Sasser, uh, who is the leading scorer on the team, I believe someone who has who has historically been. Uh, quite difficult for us to defend here at Cincinnati. And then also uh, Tremaine Mack, uh, a promising younger player, too, who is a double-digit d- scorer for them. So tough week if you're a Houston Cougar. Better week if you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Um, it is college football playoff week, The The theme since we last recorded a podcast. Now, we took about a little over a week off to celebrate the holidays with our families. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you got all of the presents that you asked Santa for. Um, I haven't got them all yet.
1: Haven't one's gotten on, them all.
0: Okay. One is, one is on order.
1: <laughs> one's ordered. Uh, delivery date is Friday, December 31st. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if it arrives on time. Yeah,
0: I hope it does. I think, I think it will. I think we're going to talk about that and the fact that you should be expecting your present. Um, You're still in Cincinnati. You're still in town recording from the the Hummer Casa bunker. You look great. You're feeling great. However, since we last recorded this podcast, since we last put anything into the into the lexicon in terms of Cincinnati Bearcat discussions, there has been this looming terror of the college football playoff being canceled or one of the teams, specifically our team, coming down with a COVID outbreak that would cost them the opportunity to play the game. The college football playoff committee came out and said that games will not be rescheduled and that if your team does come down with, with COVID and you you don't have enough players to field a team, whatever the case may be, that would be a forfeit and the other team would move on to the national championship game. Um, if both opponents have COVID outbreaks and neither can play the game, then the other game becomes the national championship game. The whole thing is an absolute cluster. It's terrifying as a fan. Uh, It's something that there's been an existential dread of sorts looming over the fan base this past week and a half or so. Where's your head at now, uh, as we record this on Boxing Day, December
1: 26th? Ooh, good call there, Boxing Day. Uh, My head space is, Hmm. it's funky out there uh it's weird you get you know on one spectrum you get you know bowl games that are definitely going to be played and in in states where covid does not exist uh, like florida uh getting dismantled by a common aac uh, opponent and with that game i'm sitting there thinking you know, I was actually watching that game with, with some friends and I go, they go, who are you rooting for? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know yet. I'm going to let this be just a reactionary, determine who I'm actually rooting for, you know, who scores the first touchdown. And if I cheer, that's who I know I want to win. And, you know, at first I thought it was going to be Florida, but it actually came out. I did want UCF to put up or central Florida as their, as their formal really known uh, central Florida to win that game. So it's great. We got some played, but then you get like, uh, you know, Boston college who's opting out of their, uh second game second bowl game out of the last last 3 uh, they opted out in 2018 against Boise State with a no contest in of all bowls also the Cotton Bowl uh then you have 20 2020 the the Birmingham Bowl they they took us a, a fat L to your Bearcats and then this year being canceled against East Carolina, who I'm upset about, doesn't get to play in a bowl game. They had a fantastic season after what was a dim, dismal season. You also have other other COVID opt-outs, but I'm not I'm not really that worried about it. I have a feeling, and this is this is pure speculation. I think a lot of these cancel cancelizations come from the bowl games are are really truly a combination of players backing out, maybe because they just don't see the point in playing this this game. Transfers you're, tra- you know, you're hitting the transfer portal. You just frankly may not have enough players because guys are transferring, you know, like kind of was ruined the rumors with Hawaii. You know, you get a disgruntled coach or, you know, maybe you're backing out of a tournament uh, because you know, half all of your team transfers, a la John Brandon. Um <laughs> I know that's not really what happened, but being facetious, but I'm saying, like, I'm just not really too worried about the playoff games getting canceled. I'm not what I'm more kind of irritated about is the way the college football playoff wants to cancel, can- wants to potentially cancel two playoff games, while they're willing to let the Fiesta and Peach Bowls, which are not playoff games, not the two most important games of the year to date, until we get to you know, January 10th or 14th, because they're willing to move that game too. But they're not willing to move the play- a playoff game, that they're but they're willing to move two lesser bowl games. That is actually what gets me a little bit more irritated that somehow I feel like they are still trying to find a way to screw the Cincinnati Bearcats. <laughs> out of a playoff appearance is like their last parting shot
0: rampant <laughs> their last paranoia shot. so the rampant way you're doing oh,
1: after all of that all of those words again
0: <laughs> the final the final point is ah, i'm just paranoid they're trying to fuck us <laughs> damn it here i am here i am violating our own our own uh nsfw rules but no i think i kind of understand what you're saying so i look at it like this the Bearcats and, and Alabama both showed up in Dallas today. And to me, that was something that put my mind at ease. I don't know if it's yeah. rational. I don't know if it's irrational. But I know seeing the seeing both teams arrive at their hotels, walking through the lobby, Saban in his gray suit, red tie, Fickle in his normal, I think it was like a pullover of some sort. I feel like wh- looking at both programs showing up at their hotels, getting checked in, Preparing for battle this coming week, it, it put me a little bit more at ease. I am feeling like, yes, when I show up in Dallas late Thursday, that I'll be waking up the next day for a football game that'll kick off around 2.30 central time. So I do feel better uh, seeing both teams make, make it to Dallas. I did see a, a report that Luke Fickle is actually taking the team to the Dallas-Washington football team matchup on for Sunday night football. And if that's true it seems it seems contrarian or, or it seems maybe counterintuitive, but it makes me feel confident as well, because if Fickle and his staff and the administration are confident enough in this entire situation that they feel emboldened to take the team out into the public uh, into a stadium full of people that, that are largely not going to be wearing masks or anything like that, there's no, there's no sort of vaccine checks, anything like that going on. If they feel confident enough to do that, I have to think that they feel really good about this game happening uh, no
1: matter what come Friday. I mean, come on, let's just say, what's let's, let's, let's say the quiet part out loud, <laughs> but only shortly because I don't want to harp on COVID too much longer. Yeah. Right? yeah I, I want to move on too. Let's talk about some some football. So my last thing on it is, is Cincinnati, the entire, this entire pandemic has been really good about kind of being quiet about COVID within the program. You know, we did have a a spot, a point last year where the basketball team, I think the football team frankly was too, if I remember correctly, put on um, a short hiatus for COVID. But Def, check my notes on that one, but the basketball team for sure was, and they really, they, they didn't come out and say who had COVID, what players had COVID, what coaches had COVID you know, when administrators have, have COVID, they've been really tight-lipped about COVID and, and how it's impacting the program. So we actually don't know if Fickle has had COVID before. We don't know if, if Gino Goduli has had COVID. We don't know if Ritter, and that's fine. That's my point is it's perfectly fine. That's normal. They're doing what they have to do to, to keep this thing rolling. And I'm happy with the way they're doing it. Keep it quiet. Uh, if you're reading <laughs> between the lines there, <laughs> Keep the quiet. Keep and doing what you're doing, baby.
0: Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Whatever it is, it's working. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll see you all Friday, okay? We'll yep. be loud. We'll be wearing black and red. And, uh, you know, we're happy. We're happy to see you. So let's talk actual football then. Let's talk about where your head's at now. A few weeks into knowing about this matchup with Alabama, this this unbelievable historic beast of a football program this dynasty of sorts since Nick Saban showed up. We are matched up against this, this Titan in the college football space. Nobody across the nation is going to believe the Cincinnati Bearcats can actually win this game. The debate is largely around. Can they cover? Will they cover the 13 and a half point spread that it is? As I look at my phone here on, on Sunday, where's your head at? You know, I felt like personally after we recorded this, this Alabama football preview with, Dave from the Alabama football podcast. I actually came away from that feeling better. I came away from that feeling like, oh, this team's got legitimate vulnerabilities. This team has ways. There are there are clear and decisive ways where the Cincinnati Bearcats football team can attack Alabama, and they're built in a way defensively to maybe temper some of the strengths of Alabama. So where is your head at now the week of the college football semifinal?
1: I'm neither. Overly confident or overly pessimistic. I'm right in the middle of thinking that this is a game that is winnable, and by definition of being a winnable game, that it's going to be tough regardless. This is going to be just like last year, going in and playing Georgia. You know, am I going to be a little nervous and have a little pit in my stomach? Of course, it's a big college college football game. I get I get them all the time, and I'm definitely going to have it this game. But I think either way, it's going to be fine. Because you know, I was talking to someone I was at the B Dogs before the it was after after the uh, the Mama do Diara uh, show after he was after he came and returned to to fifth third arena and he was talking about the playoffs and being nervous. I'm like, hell no. Look, the Bearcats earned their spot in the playoff. They earned it. This is a good football squad. You know, I don't think Alabama, it's a great
0: great football squad. Like this is an all time squad. This is the best football
1: team in the history of our program. With the amount of NFL caliber talent that we have on this team. Yeah. Just the defensive, the defense is so dynamic and what it, what it can accomplish. I know we, we talked about at some points, the run defense seems to be porous, but go back and look at the numbers and we actually have a great run defense. We do. And with, combined with one of the best secondaries, Alabama actually being injured, if we kind of notice this, our team's, what, fully healthy? Do we have a single player that's that wasn't on starting starting day one, starting right now? I mean, there have been some minor tweaks.
0: I would say that Deshaun Pace is playing a lot more snaps than he was early in the season consistently. Um, and maybe that wasn't expected on our part. Um, I would say that... It seems, like uh, James, earned, it seems like a more of an earned thing, though. But Jay, and James Tunstall took over at left tackle kind of one we saw him really solidify that job i think in the notre dame game or, or maybe the game just before it but yeah largely it's been a it's been a remarkable season from a health standpoint you know mm-hmm. there's been there's been some things here and there uh you know mcconnell obviously struggled to to get on the field there for a few weeks ran for a, missed a game or two all in all though they're sure.
1: missed a game but but they're all playing now that's my point they're they're yes. healthy when you need them all of the important pieces,
0: all of the guys that you really need to be on the field, which wasn't the case last year in the Peach Bowl with Georgia. All of the guys that need to be on the field are trending toward being on the field for this Cincinnati Bearcats matchup against Alabama. And and that is critical. Um, I'm kind of in, in, in a similar headspace to you, but I must say there's a quiet confidence and it's not so quiet when you talk about it on a podcast. But I mentioned the way that Dave from the Alabama Football Podcast Describes some of the depth concerns in the secondary. And that was followed up by a piece Chris Baines wrote for CintiSlangan.com. I highly recommend checking it out because it essentially explains the case for the offensive outlook for the Bearcats in this game against Alabama. And that Mike Dembrock, the offensive coordinator, who maybe it sounds like leaving for LSU to join the Brian Kelly midlife crisis, uh, final paycheck retirement staff. On uh, down in LSU in Baton Rouge, the case that Chris Baines is making for Denbrock's offense is that it's going to have to lean on Des's arm and and trying to throw that ball downfield. Because while Alabama is known to historically have a staunch, you know, top in the nation type defense, they actually tend to be more vulnerable against a strong passing game. So if you think about the Bearcats having not only one of the winningest quarterbacks in NCAA history, but someone who this season has demonstrated an ability to throw the ball downfield to to take and seize the opportunity when, when a guy like Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott or Alec Pierce is streaking downfield, he's able to hit these guys. And Alabama is missing uh, one of their starting cornerbacks for this game. uh, Job, Josh Job, uh, who is being projected in the first two rounds of the NFL draft this coming year. He's got an injury. He will be missing this game against Cincinnati. Um, and and so it just it's kind of shaken out in a way where it's like, hey, there's a clear path here for the Cincinnati Bearcats to exploit a weakness on the defensive side of the ball for Alabama.
1: I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to talk. It's It's not hard to talk this matchup, but I guess it's just like it's. As a fan, you just, am I giving Alabama too much credit? Am I, like, if I go back and, like, they just, they barely beat a Florida team that just got absolutely manhandled by a UCF team. I know this isn't a transient property, not really want to go down that road too much, but, like, you take a look at that, and you're like, all right, yeah, there's definitely ways to beat this team. And Cincinnati, I think we can do it. And, if, and throwing the ball is one of our specialties, but we also have Jerome Ford so we're going to be able to be a create a nice balanced attack that they're not going to know what to do and then i hope that god someone was saying this to me that maybe there maybe this year there was maybe a little bit in des years like hey stay healthy man stay healthy we need you healthy don't run as much you know look look to get the ball downfield and maybe it's just you know what des let des let des be des des do des uh You know, I think that's, that's going to be one of those keys is that balanced attack from our offense that's going to be able to take advantage of them. You know, I don't want to, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I don't want to see, uh, you know, every other throw being, being a deep ball, trying to go over the top, you know, against, against the defense. I want to see a nice balanced attack that that's going to be able to exploit all the strengths of our offense. Uh, Because we're also on the other side of it, we're going to have to rely on our defense which that's kind of where we've won ballgames this year is the defense, the offense doing its job, but the defense does its job too. It's, it's actually, a, it's more of a team approach. We mentioned before, not gimmicky. We're not overly strong on just one thing. You know, we're really good on defense, but we're also really good on offense. So I think we, both those things are going to have to happen. And I think with some of the injuries to Alabama, especially on the wide receiver front, is going to be a plus for us you know, that's, that's what is going to allow us to, you know, they're kind of top heavy when it comes to receivers. And if you look at the Bearcats out Pierce definitely has way more receptions, but, you know, we kind of, I think we do a decent job of spreading the ball out different guys, um, getting, getting receivers involved and you know, it's not just one guy who's lighting it up as, as the end all be all uh, for, for our offense.
0: That's true. I mean, we we know we've talked about it all season with regard to this Bearcats team and their depth. We know how deep this team is. It's not a normal G5 program for all the reasons we've listed. I mean, it's a team that's bringing out legitimate NFL players and prospects across the board, which is why there's this weird, quiet confidence within the Cincinnati fan base about beating and upsetting Alabama. Um, I think the thing that kind of lingers in the back of our minds is a lot of these college football playoff semifinal games, have historically been blowouts. Uh it could be a testament to the dominance that we've seen historically from the likes of Alabama, from the likes of Clemson and then, you know, that special Joe Burrow season with LSU. Those teams and those schools when they're good, they're freaking good. And and they tend to take advantage of those matchups against the likes of Oklahoma or Notre Dame. So that is something that kind of lingers in the back of your mind from a if you're going to be on the more cynical side of things. But I, I really don't see that and envision that for this Cincinnati Bearcats team. Um, the last thing I'll really point to though, with that Chris Baines alluded to in this article, um, that again you can find it at cincyslang.com, is that Alabama has the fourth best run defense in the country. So are we supposed to abandon the run entirely? Absolutely not. When you have a Cadillac, a Ferrari, a Ford, like Jerome Ford, you have to find a way to get him the ball. Um, in in more than in different types of ways right like those wheel routes we've talked about i want to see them try and utilize that i want to see them you know get him and try and get him in space a few times he's explosive he's dynamic you've hit it hit at it a few times but when he gets to the secondary it's game over the combination of size and speed is is relatively unmatched across the country and he's someone that can run away from a defense like we saw against georgia last season so i think there's going to be an element of keeping them honest I just think I do have an agreement with Baines and others who have said, like, let's let's see what Des can do. Like, let's let Des Ritter go out there and win this game for the Bearcats because that's where the most opportunity will be. And we have the athletes and, and the talent on the perimeter to take advantage of them. And it's also worth noting, you know, when we asked Dave Osment specifically, you know, what's the weakness of this Alabama defense? He said tight ends always get him nervous. And I always like checking the other team's tight end Situation to see if they have someone who can exploit our weakness in covering tight ends. I believe the last time I checked, the Cincinnati Bearcats have two pretty solid tight ends that can throw out there as as pass catching options for Ritter. We do. Tell me about. I think think so. I think so. Josh Wiley, Lenny Taylor, both NFL prospects. Oh, I think they're decent options.
1: I mean, all right. If you go and you look through the options that we have from a passing perspective and you know, you you got Jaden Thompson, who has the, I would say from a, I'm putting the cap here at double digit receptions, he has 14, Jerome Ford with 18, Alec Pierce at, at 15, there's not a huge disparity between the amount of receptions, when you go from Tyler Scott, all the way down to Jerome Ford, right, you're not getting guys who are, you're not getting someone who's just the monster being fed, and you're the only person that we can go to we have a lot of options on offense that Des feels confident with going to and being able to exploit that. And you I think you did hit it perfect with Jerome Ford. Need I want to see a couple of see him get a couple wheel routes. See see him get some ball, get the ball be able to create some space and get into that secondary and let, let let it fly baby. Let those <laughs> I want to see him see him fly on down the field. I want to see Jerome Ford with a 74-yard touchdown in this one. Um yeah. you know so Look, I think that's that's what makes us special, right there, is that we have a lot of different guys that they're going to go to. They're not going to rely on just one stud, if you would, to be able to take care of it. Alabama has some studs too. You know, you don't want to, uh, you know, throw throw them out, you know, and throw them out the window. But when you're looking at at their guys with receptions, you know, we we keep hearing about Jamison Williams. You know, he's 68, but they also had a guy, John Mechie, who had 96 receptions
0: who's out not going to be playing in the game not going to be playing out right towards acl towards mcl too i mean it's it's unfortunate given the the prospects he has going into the nfl draft that's a that's a tough hit for him it's certainly to the bearcats uh advantage to not have to face off against the combination of the possession you know maestro john mechie the third with the the unbelievable speed threat that is Jamison williams that's that's to our advantage now you mentioned them being top heavy and not necessarily having the type of depth that maybe the Bearcats have. Maybe you weren't, I, I don't want to misinterpret what you were saying necessarily. I do think that there's plenty of stallions and, and potential stallions on that Alabama receiving corpse, right? Like when they, when they lost, of course Jamison, they do. well, they lost Jamison Williams against Auburn, right? And they have this stagnant offense. They can't block struggling to move the ball to win the game on that final possession, or maybe to send it to overtime, I should say. They threw, threw a touchdown pass that was a nasty grab uh, toward the back and inside of the end zone to Ja'Cory Brooks, who's a freshman, They're just a, a true freshman who they can throw in the game and who can make a remarkable catch in the back of the end zone. So there's no shortage of talent, but it you can't doubt for a second that losing a junior like John mentioned the third is gonna hurt. That's going to hurt Sabin
1: and Saban and the Crimson Tide. I mean, absolutely, like can Ja'Cory Brooks come out there and have uh, you know some sort of monster game, of course, anybody's capable of of coming out and, and doing that kind of work. What I'm pointing out to is all year, their offense, you know, it's almost a tune of of forty percent of their of their receptions go to two guys, right right and one, and one of one those guys, guys is not playing is out. And the other right. one, one is of those going guys, to be one of those guys, one almost took a third. He almost took a third of the, the receptions himself is not going to be playing. Jameson Williams is a big, as a long field down threat receiver. This is where sauce Gardner earns his money. It's this is most- where, this is where, this is where he comes and says, you know what, if, if there was any doubt about which, you know, you hear these people and not, I don't even know if it's media guys, but when we're trolling the message boards, you know, when we're, we're searching deep into the corners of the darkest pits of the Internet and people want to doubt players like uh, like Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, simply because they're Bearcats, simply because they play for Cincinnati. Well, here's here's the opportunity you're going up against one of the best, one of the best in college football, and you have the opportunity to shut him down. Now, look, I'm not I'm not as worried. Are they going to have some plays? Sure, they are. But I think we have the horses that are gonna go toe to toe with them. And Bama's gonna get dicked down in Dallas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do think that we need to sit on that matchup though. We need to talk a little bit about the fact that Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, this dynamic. I mean, because we haven't even touched on the fact that they have a Heisman trophy winning quarterback. Bryce Young is no slouch. Like this is this is a dominant quarterback who who basically ate alive every team he faced off against this year, you know, except for the Auburn game. But in that game, he came through with, you know, some incredibly clutch on the money throws down the stretch. Um, that matchup between Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, the Alabama passing offense and the Cincinnati Bearcats passing defense is, it feels like the game. Like that is the matchup that matters and will determine whether the Cincinnati Bearcats can upset Alabama because I mean here's where I'm at with it. Sauce Gardner has never given up a touchdown in his college career. This is his third season. He he got major reps as a true freshman. He's been a two-time now All-American. He was a consensus first-team All-American in college football as a cornerback. And for the first time in his career, I would say this is this is by far the biggest test of his career it's going to be the biggest challenge and it's going to be the first time that i think a team will truly try and go after him throughout the game not as a sign of disrespect but as a sign of no no no. we have to throw that guy and we're going to throw to that guy and we're going to make you prove all of this hype you have around you as a cornerback as one of the best cornerbacks in the country and a cornerback that we think is going to be a top 15 pick In this upcoming NFL draft, he's going to get tested like, like never before. And I'm excited for that opportunity for him. Like it is an opportunity for sauce to put himself on the map as like a surefire top 10 NFL draft pick. If this
1: game breaks the right way for him. Yeah. I mean, that's what, and that's exactly what we're going to need. We're going to need the game to break in in our favor because you know, that's probably Georgia's downfall right there, you know, they, they allowed Bryce young to throw the football all over the field. You know, they did a pretty decent job containing, you know, the top rusher, uh, that game, but they did not do a good job of, of stopping the, the pass. And Georgia was able or Alabama was just able to, to throw the ball at will. We're not going to be able to let them do that. We're going to have to come in and, and stop honestly both sides. We're not, we're not gonna be able to let them give up both. That's where I think that, that falls in our favor when you have a guy like Mechie not playing because he's been such an integral part. He's getting so many targets, getting so many receptions. Someone's gonna have to fill the void. They probably have someone who, who's capable of that. We know that, you you, you you threw out a name there earlier, but look, we're the Bearcats. We're the best dang team in the land. And I think we, I think we can win this game. I think we can go out there. We can make miracles happen we can be partying in Indy in a few weeks.
0: (laughs) Let me, let me ask you this. Let's say early in the game, first quarter, Alabama comes out and sauce gives up his first touchdown, right? They, they attack him. They beat him downfield on, on a 35 yard hit to Jamison Williams touchdown Bama. All of a sudden uh, sauce Gardner for the first time, you know, it's one of those, Oh, he bleeds just like a regular man. He bleeds. Do you worry at all? And this isn't me. This is not a leading question. I'm just, I'm just asking, do you worry what, uh, what that could do to his mentality? If he was to get beat in this game, you know, when it's something that he just hasn't experienced before it's getting beat is not in his, uh, it's, it's not in one of his formative experiences that he's had at UC.
1: No, I don't. I think everything in his career and what he's done and the coaching staff has prepared him for that moment. And I think they've always kind of had that in the back of their mind that nothing, and this isn't just sauce, but the the, the team as a whole, that nothing is given, everything is earned. Right. And that mistakes are going to happen. And there are times where you will get beat. Right. And it's your job to come back better and stronger than you were last year. And then you take a look at the Georgia game, you know, heartbreaking defeat and it happens. But at the end of the day, I don't think we, these cats didn't come out this year with their heads held low. They came out fired up, excited, and better than the year before. Uh, and all measures, this is a – last year's team was phenomenal. You know, this year's team is legendary, and it's mainly consistent of the same guys. So I think Sauce is prepared that if that happens, just come out there and attack him right back. And that's what he'll have to do because there is going to be no crying on the sideline and being wishy-washy about it. And that's where I think that the coaching staff comes into play, you know, in in Fickle, I trust in that in those regards. You know, so I'm I'm not worried about that. What I would get worried about from a winning this game perspective is if we go down. You know, we're both going to have scripted drives. We know how those work. And let's say we get the ball first and we go three and out. Alabama comes down, marches, scores a touchdown. We go three and out, and Alabama goes down and scores again. We're down two touchdowns. It's it's the first fourth quarter beginning of second. I'm worried there because that's the Bearcats team that we have all dreaded the season with the slow starts we can't ha- we're not gonna be able to have slow starts but i don't think we're going to i think we're coming out ready i think we're coming out prepared uh everything they've done this season has has given me no reason to doubt their ability to to execute in big t- big moments and that all comes down to, i was watching i can't believe i'm saying this our season came down to i think it was uh tulsa like eight, I don't even remember, eight goal line plays. You know, we stopped them on a fourth and one from goal. We fumble the ball, give it to them within the five yard line and have to stop them again. Look, this team is tough. That takes, that's a, that's a, like that is, think about the mistake that's made there. And this team came out and executed to win the game, keep the perfect season alive, to keep, to make this happen this weekend.
0: That, that was the flashpoint. That was the biggest moment of the season. It was homecoming. Was that, a, was that the homecoming game or was that the... No, that wasn't homecoming. We were, that was We were
1: on the road.
0: Was that the game day game? That was game day. Tulsa was home. Tulsa was game day. You have all this hype. You have the biggest moment in football history. And they kind of came out against an inferior opponent and let them run the ball down our throats, possession after possession. But then the defense, you're right. The mental strength it took in that moment. To come back again and again and again and again, and stop them another four times after doing so the prior yeah. possession. That is a testament to Luke Fickle and the staff and what they've done in terms of mental preparation for this team and this defense. So I agree with you. uh Sauce is cut like the rest of them, where it's there's there's a a, a self belief and a confidence that permeates throughout the entire roster. They don't necessarily lose doubt or uh, belief based on one play or two plays or three plays. I just I really can't wait to watch him battle because it's it really should be the biggest test of his career. And the thing that's most intriguing, too, is we've been. Do you remember the most difficult stretch we had this season against inferior competition was Navy, Tulane and Tulsa? And our team looked lethargic. We looked our defense looked uninspiring. There was just we lacked that that swag and that uh, intimidating we lacked, to we weren't that intimidating force that we had grown accustomed to over the past couple of seasons. And we speculated that once we started playing normal teams that actually were going to try and attack you downfield in an effort to win the game that had belief in their quarterback to try and throw on us, that our, our defense is actually built to stop those types of teams. Well, Alabama, this isn't Derrick Henry's Alabama. This isn't Mark Ingram's Alabama. This isn't Trent Richardson's Alabama. This is an Alabama team that wants to throw the ball all over the field, which in theory plays into the strengths of what our defense can do. So unleash my Sanders, unleash Be- beavers, unleash the sauce gardener corner blitzes and let that secondary do their thing because this is what our defense is built to stop. And so that is the most intriguing matchup by far, by far for this game against Bama. Um, And then what I will point out last season against Georgia in that Peach Bowl game, we actually gave up 392 yards passing. And it did turn out that missing Sauce Gardner, missing James Wiggins, missing those guys was detrimental to what our defense was really good at. And then on the other side of the ball, they had a defensive line that could impose its will. So if you combine our secondary, being elite, and slowing down Bryce Young, and making things uncomfortable for him, and forcing some turnovers and if you if you pair that with our offensive line giving des enough time consistently to make throws downfield to a to a to a wide receiver group that has the skill and athleticism to beat bama's secondary that is a recipe for for upsetting alabama and going to the national championship game it is not far fetched it is not com- irrational biased thinking there is a legitimate path based on the talent this team has based on the coaching staff we currently have to beat Alabama and move on so that we can win the whole
1: damn thing. Looking at the schedule, I'll tell you what has led Alabama to thinking that they could win the whole damn thing. And I don't agree with them. First game of the year, Miami university turned out to be not so good. Very terrible. Miami, Miami team Mercer you know what we had our own mercer murray state about the same score you know, 40 something to you know 13-ish i don't know same kind of score followed up with a a very very tough florida who fired their coach Mincy towards the towards the end of the season they fired their head coach absolute trash lost to central florida trash southern mississippi another stalwart name in college football year after year playing for national titles um uh, okay she called color me impressed number 12 Ole Miss okay they're pretty good but it's Lane Kiffin come on let's be real I like it's Lane, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin you don't like Lane Kiffin yeah sometimes I like him sometimes I'm like <laughs> Lane Kiffin's like his his oldness is just it's I guess it's remarkable his staying power in college the Amanda is a cat with nine lives right he can go anywhere and then, and then make a comeback love it uh Ole Miss or Texas A and M. You took DL to a, to an okay team, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU, LSU. Turn trash. Connecticut State. Another another bellwether team that you put at the end of your year. You know to make sure that you're solidifying your schedule to being one of the most tough, the toughest things in the country. Um, trash. Arkansas top 25 team whatever okay decent Alabama Auburn terrible the only point I'm saying is there's not a single team on Alabama schedule that would make me say University of Cincinnati would not be undefeated had we had to play the schedule beat every school that they played bring the Natty home baby
0: look at that look at that deconstructing the Alabama the myth of Alabama deconstructing Bama by reverse engineering a schedule and results from that schedule that just frankly, aren't as impressive as, as you would expect coming from Alabama. Um, I think one thing that's interesting, I think if you look at the box scores of all of those games, Bryce young rarely was held down, which he's is a stud. He's an, yeah, he's an animal. Um, <laughs> and so it is, you know, when we hold Georgia to 24 points and it could have been less it's hard to envision the same result for Alabama. Like it's hard to envision this game being a game that we win in a, in a 24, 21 type type ending. So, I mean, do you agree? Does this have to be like a 38, 31 type game for the Bearcats to win? Or is it a situation where we do kind of shock the world and come out with a defense that is as good as advertised and plays a style that's more advantageous to stopping them. Unlike Georgia. Who runs this zone and, 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 and Nick Saban, let's be frank. He just owns Kirby smart. Kirby smart doesn't know how to beat Saban. And so with, with Luke fickle and his staff and his brain and his talent on defense, does he actually have a recipe that can stymie this, uh, this potent Alabama offense? I think that's the thing we're, we're going to continue wondering about up until that two thirty
1: kickoff on Friday. I mean, that's, that is the million dollar question. You know, I think one of the things that separates us from that Georgia team is I, I, I think our offense is better. I think our quarterback is better. Uh, I think our running back core is better. I think our wide receivers are better. So can Alabama hold us to 24 points? I don't think they can. So I think the real question you're you're asking is 100% the correct one is, can we hold Alabama to under 35 points? Because I think that's what it's gonna take for us to win this game. We're gonna have to get into the 30s and we're, we're going to have to put up a good game. You know, that's, that's exactly what it's going to take. Uh, if they come out and hold Bama to 24 points, that'll be the, that'll be amazing. I, I That puts us in a great position to be able to win this, win this ball game. And definitely, definitely take, take that to the bank. If we are holding Bama to 14 points, we're tied at halftime, 14 all, go ahead straight to the bookie, take the mid-game money line on the Bearcats, take it all the way. That game's coming home with us.
0: If we're holding Bama to 21, 24 points in this game, go ahead and make us the national championship favorites at that point. At that point, (laughs) folks will look at us and just say, yo, that 13 and an O is super real. Um,
1: (laughs) If we, if we win this game in any way, shape or form, and let's say we gave up 50 points to Alabama and and we, and we win with 51, we will immediately become the favorites for the national championship game.
0: Well, what's funny, though, is we're having lots of confidence and belief in our offense, and I think that's largely founded. I mean, we played a game against Houston that didn't involve a lot of long, drawn-out possessions. It was quick strike offense, big play offense, and and it's probably going to be something we need to lean on uh, in a big big way against Bama, but it's not like we haven't had offensive frustrations this year. You know, Denbrock, who's going to be, I mentioned it earlier, heading down to LSU, I don't think people are, like, devastated over that. And that probably speaks to the lack of consistency that this offense has had. And so here we are in this biggest game in in Bearcats history. And and frankly, look, look, we're playing with house money, folks. We're in the college football playoff. But now that we're here, we might as well win it all. And, And in that kind of game, can our offense not go cold? Can we have, can we put together some drives? Can we be creative and dynamic with our play calling? Can we not just be, this, you know, vanilla ass Jerome Ford up the middle offense that's super predictable and plays into the strength of of Alabama. I think if we get good Denbrock and a Denbrock who's being creative, doing the quick hitters to to Trey Tucker, to Tyler Scott, to Josh Wiley and Lenny, and then mixing in some, some 50-50 balls with with Alec Pierce. I think that is a good recipe for the Bearcats pulling off the upset. Because let's be honest, like with this Alabama, D, like we have to negate their defensive line. If their defensive line, if I'm thinking about the ways that this could go badly, where the Bearcats don't put up 30 plus points, where they do get shut down, that's the 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 picture I would see. What I would expect is that our D, our offensive line would get overwhelmed by Will Anderson in that defensive front for Alabama. So if we can find a way to get great protection for Des and find a few running lanes for Jerome Ford. I feel like things look really, really good for the Bearcats winning this game, but it's a tall order. It's it's I'm, it's easier for me to say it on the podcast like it like this than it is for for Renfro and De- for Renfro to block and for Des to make the throws and for Pierce to make the catches and for Ford to make the runs. Like all those things are much, much harder than what I'm doing right now.
1: <laughs> You're right, but I think it's just our confidence in this in this team and what they've accomplished. They've we th- would we say at the beginning of the year, if you go back to the first podcast we're uh, it might have been the one we did with the green wave that I refer to this infamous podcast. Uh,
0: you love podcast. you love talking about that pod. I,
1: I know. I know. But I, I think offended. at some point we said well, I am offended they didn't run this. But I think it was either that pod or the one before it or after that we did with each other that we said we've earned this right to have this attitude that we're going to go and smash our comp through our conference that we are going to go undefeated. Like there's a point where you can sit back and say, you earned that. And right now I think these players have earned the utmost confidence from us, the fan base that they're going to go out there and win Vegas might think we're an underdog, but I, I, to me, that doesn't mean anything right now. Yeah. You know, uh, in trust in Fick. It's not always the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best. And so far we've been the best team to play every year. Alabama has not been the best team to to play every year. We're going to come out there and be the best team. We're going to go out there and take the win. And I think our players have deserved that inspired confidence, which is why so many people are so jazzed up about this. Why tickets went, you know, the roller coaster of ticket prices has just been what it is. You know, people were so afraid they wouldn't be able to get tickets. They had to go to the secondary, buy them right away. And then you ended up getting through UC. So now everybody's trying to sell them again. Did you have a have a, a ticket
0: take you wanted to get off your chest? Did you have something about the tickets you wanted to get off your chest?
1: About that process, I am, I am actually very yeah. I'm actually a little a little jazzed up or pumped up or irritated. Jazz, with the jazzed, jazzed, and
0: pumped have a positive, in, uh, you know, connotation with them. I
1: would say that you are irritated. You're irritated. I'm irritated, and the only thing I'm irritated really the way I am is the way the university came out the hype up tickets, and in the process for getting tickets. You know, and, and oh, you know, there's only going to be 13 amount. And it, it led to a mass, in my mind, a massive amount of panic buying on StubHub and SeatGeek, which, you know, I'm, I guess I'm one of the fortunate ones who didn't get involved in that where we waited to see what came through with the university. Um, but they did that hype when there were no, t- there were no tickets released to the public yet. Right. Those are all broker tickets that were on there. So we basically jacked up the prices for brokers, gave them a free a free lunch. And then all of a sudden, all the actual tickets that the cotton bowl season ticket holders get that are able, they're able to go to market, flood the market. All of the tickets that we purchased through the school now flood the market because you had purchased tickets from those scalpers. And so now prices collapse. And for right now, you can get in the door to ATT Stadium. I believe last time I checked today it was $98. Ooh, I didn't check today. Wow. That's a straight up collapse. That is a collapse. A straight up collapse in pricing. Uh it looks like it may have gone back up to 118 because someone bought those 90-something dollar tickets. But either way, plenty of tickets under face value for this game. And, you know, it's it's a shame that it happened that way. And I feel like the university could have just. You know, one maybe been a little they, I think they were relatively transparent about it, but they put up a, an extra hype that wasn't needed for demand. Right. Demand was always going to be there from the university side. We want take it through through the through the school. Right. And so maybe I don't know. Maybe next time around we can actually get a list of like, oh, okay, you've put your request in. Here's where you are actually in line as of today. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe, think, maybe as you go down further, you can see exactly where you're at. Because I was trying to game theory this out, where where if if I was able to get tickets, because the UCAS priority thing, which turned out not to really even matter, but I, I just, I, I, just I, I didn't like it.
0: I get I get why it's uncomfortable. We've ne- I've never personally been through this process before. I didn't go through the the bidding route. I went the secondary route. Um, I was pretty confident the entire time, Hummer that once these, the Alabama and the UC tickets started hitting the market, that that supply increase, I mean, it felt like, you know, I was back in college economics, you know, 101. It was like, once the supply goes up, the demand, uh, once the supply starts going above the demand, whatever it is, I'm not gonna explain it because I'm not that good in economics, but the gut instincts told me hold out because there's a lot of people buying here who are intending to resell. And we're seeing that. I mean, there's a ton of people selling via Twitter, SeatGeek, whatever.
1: Um, oh my God. And these people who go into the Facebook groups, Oh my God. Like I got two, t- this is going to be a sob story for anybody after trying to do this. I have zero sympathy and this isn't me trying to be a dick, but I just, because I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat where I, I got two tickets that frankly uh. You know, I had a buddy who ended up getting nicer seats down low for the same price I paid for the ones through UC. So I'm like, oh, I want to sell frustrating. my
0: but That's frustrating. It's
1: frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It is. But it's like, all right, I'm going to sell my two tickets at face value, just so you don't have to pay StubHub fees. Well, the prices we're paying on StubHub right now include the fees. So you're not making any deals by saying, or being a nice guy by saying you're going to get them at face value. Every ticket right now is being sold below face value but you get these people who are joining these Facebook groups and you've been in there for two days, dude. And you want, like all you did was join this group so you can sell your tickets, get the hell out. I'm annoyed with it. I just want to see some happy Bearcat fans post about what their trip to Dallas looks like. Right. I want to see more pictures of the bus rolling up. I want to see more videos of walking through the hotel lobby. I want to see some cameras pointed on the Bearcats and AT&T stadium tonight against the Dallas Cowboys. I want to see people hyping up this team for the next week all I want is positive energy. If you're gonna sell your tickets, if you got to do it through Twitter, fair, do it. Go look up the actual market price of the tickets. Okay. You you kind of started heading in the right direction there. Let's not
0: let's stop bemoaning the prices. There, look. If you want to go to Dallas, if you can get to Dallas now, you should go because tickets are extremely affordable at this point on SeatGeek. I just want to let people know, Hummer and I are both going to go down to Dallas. We both arrive late on Thursday night and I expect for a large part of uh, Friday, we're going to be around wherever the Republic of Cincinnati guys are going. But if there are other tailgates or things going on that Friday that we should know about, and you want to meet up, have some drinks, celebrate this monumental occasion, please make sure, you know, send us a DM or a message on Twitter. Uh, we will be around looking forward to meeting as many as people as possible. Uh, I personally will be wandering the streets of Dallas in a 513shirts.com Cincy slang and hat probably the t-shirt as well cuz I'm straight up standing out for the podcast
1: throughout the entire trip. I'm a, I'm a walking billboard for the podcast. I will I will have no shame. Hummer. I'm I'm bringing two I'm bringing two shirts with me, all right? One <laughs> right. It is an extra large it's a great day to be a Cincy slang and bear cat logo bear cat shirt i don't know what we call them a a great day to be a bear cat shirt from 513 i'm going to bring a second shirt that's also an extra large of it's a great day to be a bear cat shirt because uh look win or lose it's a great day to be a freaking bear cat
0: final prediction you want to make a score prediction what's going to be the final outcome of this game put your
1: name on it put my name on it It's going to be a reverse of last year. It's going to be 27-23 Cincinnati wins. It's going to be done via field goal. You do have a low-scoring game. Wow. I do. Wow. I do have a low-scoring game.
0: So you see the Bearcats kicking field goals, or are they missing an extra point?
1: (laughs) We're going to miss an extra point of some sort. Four tutties and a missed extra point. Um, All right, We're going to miss a field goal, and we're going to miss an extra point, yet we're still going to win 27-24. Lock me in for my
0: final score. I'm going to go 40. I'm sorry, not 40. 35. 27. Bearcats. We're walking out of there. We're coming back home. Kings. Champions. Maybe not literal champions, but we'll be on our way. We're heading to the national championship. 35, 27 Bearcats. And and I just feel it. I'm feeling really really good, very confident, in FIC we trust.